Welcome to Awakening Genius. This is a podcast and community dedicated to your inspiration and your elevation so that you can live fully creatively expressed. I'm your guide, Dijon. Thanks for being here. Stay tuned in to get lifted. Before we get started today, I wanted to invite y'all into something very special. If you resonate with this energy that we're expressing here, then this is something that you will probably enjoy. It's an opportunity to deepen with our community and expand your current network of creatives. We now have a program here at Awakening Genius that is designed to help you embody the infinite creative potential that you have. We all have equal amounts of creative possibility living within us, and it's our work to embody it and ground it so that we can consciously co-create a world together. Now, some of us don't identify with the label artist, but being an artist is not about whether you express yourself through a specific medium like painting or drawing. Being an artist is the level of presence you hold when you do anything. That's why an original painting is infinitely more valuable than a print because the artist actually interacted with that painting and infused it with their energy and consciousness. Art is an energetic transmission, and it's not limited to the things we traditionally think of as art. When your grandmother cooks you a meal and infuses it with love, that is artistry in action. So inside of the Awakening Genius container, You learn how to cultivate high vibrational energy into the temple of your body through yogic practices. And then you will practice wielding that energy through creative exercises with community and play shops led by a diverse range of creatives. So you can express your artistry however you choose to. If that sounds intriguing to you and you want to learn more and you want to deepen with us, go visit www.awakeninggenius.club. The link is also in the show notes, so you can access it there. We're looking forward to building with you, and now let's get into the episode. today. This is an episode I've been waiting to do for a while with Heather Lilliston. I met her on Instagram like I seem to be meeting a lot of people these days and I went to one of her yoga classes and was really blown away by her energy and her presence and she played Outcast. and since I'm from Atlanta that spoke to my heart. Thanks for being here Heather. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah really. it's, it's a pleasure. That's all mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely mutual. (laughs) So as I've been getting more into yoga, I've just been drawn to different teachers who resonate with me. You know, I'm just like learning more about the process and you definitely did. And I feel like different yogis just hold different like vibrational qualities that naturally magnetize people or not. So I'm just curious, like, 
where did you start doing your yoga? Like, how did you get turned on to your yogic path? So I began uh, in New York City at, at Jiva Mukti Yoga School with Sharon Gannon and David Life. They, they were my first teachers. Mm -hmm. And it was a time when yoga was popular, but a little bit different. Like it, it was the year 2000 and there were just packed classes, but yoga was still new in a lot of people's body. It was still so revolutionary to do down dog and in a different way that it, than it is like it is still revolutionary to do a down dog every single day mm -hmm. but it can also become a habit and at that time it was very off the wall that teachers were playing music in class and there was a whole altar with bob marley and bob dylan and a whole bunch of indian gurus that i didn't know at first and it was painted in lots of colors and i was 18 and self-righteous and they talked about veganism and the importance of being political and we talked about philosophy and the yoga sutras and in all of these ancient texts and it just was a community of people that were alive and i really needed that in new york city i really didn't know as a California girl how to calm myself or heal myself. Mm. I, growing up in California, I always had the ocean. I always had a, a trail. I always had a tree to go and sit with. And in New York, it was, I don't think, later I realized that yoga became where I connected to nature. Mm. And I really had taken for granted how close I had grown up to nature. But that same feeling that you get when you walk out and watch the sunset or take a walk on the beach and go, ah, oh, and there's a different kind of silence. It's not even really silence, but it feels like a silence. And that you also get in yoga. That's what I felt. That's how it started. And I heard this other great thing in your question, which was like the interesting trajectory of resonating with a teacher. And I'm just so happy to hear that's what's drawing you to classes is the resonance with the teacher because that's so key and that's so much part of the the ancient lineage and it's been my experience that unless you resonate with the teacher, like the yoga, the secret teachings of yoga <laughs> who can that cannot be named can't pour into you unless you are totally open to the teacher. Mm. And that doesn't mean you can't benefit from going to a random class with a teacher you don't fully resonate with, but there's still benefit to that. But I don't know if it puts you on the link of the lineage totally i totally understand what you're saying and this is kind of a weird parallel but it just is occurring to me now is when my grandmother passed recently people came to speak at her memorial service and they talked about the way she was and there are a lot of things i never knew about her and i realized how similar she was to my mom or vice versa how similar my mom was to her and then how similar i am to my mom so what I noticed in that is there's a energetic through line that's going through all of us, 
right? So I would imagine there's an energetic through line that's going through Jiva Mukti Yoga as well. And I didn't know that was the yoga that you learned, but now that you said that, I just had this visual. Was it, was, are they have a book where they're like doing yoga in the V pose? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so when I was in San Francisco, I remember there was a book on Jiva Mukti Yoga that I think they probably wrote. And I was always like, felt drawn to that book, but I never picked it up. It was like in a place where I was living and I didn't look at it. So like something about the energy called me then and then something about it called me when I saw you on Instagram and was like, oh, I need to go to her class like for some reason. It's so interesting to see the trajectory of like yoga imagery because Sharon and David were so revolutionary in their putting on high heels and outfits and then doing <laughs> yoga poses and like the world we live in now and it was so off the wall then but yes that is their book and they're in navasana boat pose and anyway i was just thinking about them in all of those pictures yeah it's a really excellent book on yoga and one of the the greatest things that i think that they have given the yoga community is just to remember that there are so many doors in to the experience of yoga. And so it's like what you were saying about the through line with your mom and your grandma. The through line would be yoga. And then there's just so many different forms that it takes. Sometimes mm. you meet somebody and they've never been to a yoga class and they definitely can't do a down dog without groaning or needing to come out of it or their body hurts, their body isn't flexible or anything like that. They've never read a scripture. They've never eaten organic food and they're a total saint and they have a certain quality about them. And you're like, you have that through line of yoga. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, what was it about Jiva Mukti yoga different than all the other types that were available to you that drew you in? I had gone to yoga in, when I was in high school. My mom always really wanted me to take yoga. I was a very expressive, fiery human being in her house. <laughs> and I remember going to yoga and laughing through the ohm and being really uncomfortable and warrior too. I very visceral memory of that. And then with Jiva Mukti, you don't just Om, but you sing to Durga and Kali and Shiva and Ganesh and Krishna and loud at the top of your lungs. And I, I was in theater school and I was always, I'd always been in the acting world and in the theater world. And in some ways, what drew me to Jiva Mukti was that it was so dramatic and I think being in college and being young, you want to be self-righteous about something. And I was very much animal rights and save the forests. And I was just really behind all of that. And then all the philosophy and yogic teachings that went behind that. Hmm. And it just gave me, I grew up in a, I wouldn't even really call my parents hippie, but I grew up in a hippie community. And in the community that I grew up in, nobody was really going to church. 
Nobody was even really getting legally married. Nobody had a tradition in that way ever. Most people in the community that I grew up in had abandoned tradition and like what you're supposed to do to go live the golden hippie life of California. And my rebellion to that was I want tradition. Mm. I want stability. I want organization. I need order and cleanliness. And this people are living in cars and in yurts and people's yards. And men are having kids with all sorts of women all over the place. And they're calling it free love. And like the women, it just, I, I was like, no. <laughs> but you can't abandon yourself. Like, you do come from a place in some ways and you do that is part of you. And so I think my way of organizing that into some kind of order was I moved all the way across the country from California to New York to organize things. And then I became a yoga teacher at Jiva Mukti, which is very organized, but also still had a lot of the philosophy that I think some of the the hippie movement had been grounded in and like self-empowerment and independence and the importance of nature and the importance of your own medicinal cabinet and the importance of sound and music and movement and like the gifts that we are already given, mm -hmm. but also aligned with this like tradition of like teacher student and, you know, even like, did you meditate every day? Like that routine, mm. Surya Namaskar A, X amount of times, headstand X amount of minutes. And this, and, and especially Jiva Mukti, every class has a certain thing and you have to talk about certain aspects of the yoga practice. And it, it created a stability in the spiritual invisible. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm hearing that you came from a kind of hippie background and because of that you were like desiring more structure there was similarities to the energy that was there in jiva mukti but it had more structure so that was like something comfortable and something that felt like maybe safer or more aligned at that time totally yeah and people that were going to jiva mukti and were successful new yorkers <laughs> and that made me feel good. Mm -hmm. And it's a funny lesson I learned in New York because there's so much materialism there. You can't live in a yurt in the backyard. Like even if you're poor, you're living in a structure somewhere unless you're homeless. Mm -hmm. But it's very material. It's like uh, someone once described it as like a city of rock. It's like stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And California feels more spiritual and Hawaii is even more spiritual. Yeah. Or just like connected to elements that are, you know, things that are just come out of the ground naturally because there's enough sun and there's enough rain and there's enough wind and there's not much coming out of the ground in Manhattan, but things still do, which is the amazing power of nature. But with that scenario and living in New York for so long and teaching yoga, I really got this reminder that, because I think I went there thinking, ah, this 
messy hippie world. And I went and then, and then I realized, oh, even with all the structure, there's still so much mess. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it has really less to do with one thing or the other. Yeah, that that tradition isn't going to solve it either. Right. <laughs> and material stability isn't going to solve it either. And worldly reverence, which happens a lot in New York. New York is where you go and it's like you get seen or you get the exposure to the whole world. Like even sometimes living in LA, I'm like, yeah, if I lived in New York, I things would be a little bit different, but I, I live here and I choose this now, but yeah. When I was in San Francisco, <laughs> the people used to say that you go to New York to be somebody important. You go to LA to be somebody else (laughs) and you go to San Francisco to be yourself. Mm, Yeah. I think it probably like still resonates with me to some degree because I feel like I really got a sense of who I was in San Francisco, like away from my conditioning. I got to explore myself and make choices and have experiences and be like, okay, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. And as I was telling you, I changed my name. So I felt like I really removed all the things that weren't me and that were like passed on. And I'm like, no, that's not mine. Like mm. I'm choosing the parts of myself that I'm going to continue to to water and nurture. That's so interesting about the process of changing your name. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's a fairly like common thing for people at a certain point of their like development especially like spiritual development, right? Like a lot of times people that have masters will receive a name. And I guess the, it was the master within that mm-hmm. told me to change my name. But yeah, everything else doesn't resonate. That's who I am now. And a place will change you. And you can fill in the blank when you've chosen your own name instead of carry around the already full set of things that came with the name that maybe someone else chose for you fresh energy yeah fresh energy yeah so you were in new york in 2000 right Mm -hmm. so 18 years ago Mm -hmm. what are some of the most like noticeable ways you feel like you've changed as a result of that journey there and back Mm. here i i am so grateful for the growing up I did in California at the ages that I did from zero to 18 and then to have 18 to 33, 33, yeah, 33 (laughs) be in New York city. Like, I just feel like I couldn't have planned it better. (laughs) And I, every time in all my years living in New York, I wanted to move to Hawaii or Brazil or Bali or Miami at one point that was an idea and every time I ever had like an astrological reading or I spoke with a psychic or a shaman or somebody who tells you what the best scenario would be for you or your future or elements that are going to help support you to feel the, the best and so you can give the best they would always say when are you leaving New York <laughs> I was like so does he like me? <laughs> I just avoided it. I was so, New York was like a long relationship that I had. Mm. 
and I still have a little bit, but I think what's funny, it's, it's almost like California was always right there in front of my face, but I really needed to be away from it. And now I really know that California is home, but I needed time away. And the, but the trajectory was long. I mean, I really resisted it and resisted it. Even when I moved, I went back to New York the last, the first two years I lived in California every month, at least. And, but from the very beginning of the move, I would go back to New York and it was like walking through my past it was like going to a childhood house and that you once lived in and rem- having all these memories on this corner and that corner and when you fell off the bed and when you stubbed your toe and when your sister pushed you off the couch or something. I don't know why I'm thinking about all that, but that's what New York felt like. And I, and I, But I'm so grateful because it will always be a home. I feel that I will always have a connection there. And never live there again. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I love you so much, New York, but you're, yeah. I literally created a business of running away. I think partly because I was so unable to admit that I could live in New York if I chose it, but a different set of elements was going to serve my chemical constitution better. Mm. And I didn't want to admit that. I was so resistant to admitting that. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's pretty common. We think like, oh, I just need to go somewhere else. But then there you are. (laughs) Totally. And actually the going of other places was what sustained my life in New York. And then I moved to LA and I had this business of, I go away on a retreat every month. And I thought but I don't want to go away every month. I like where I live. Mm. I want to be here. I don't want to go to the airport again. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, wow, this really gives me some insight into, I don't know, like what I might have been feeling subconsciously in my day-to-day life in New York and didn't want to admit it to myself because I loved my life there. Mm. And I was comfortable. I was safe. On some level. I hear that. Yeah. So are you 36? Mm-hmm. I'm 36 too. Mm-hmm. Recently, someone on Instagram hit me up mm-hmm. who was like, I found your podcast. I like it. Who actually lives in Atlanta. We don't have any mutual connections. It just like she was feeling the vibration of the podcast. And we were just chatting and she was like, I want to send you this book that I made. And she sent me this book called Eternal Youth, Eternal Life. And she considers herself an immortalist. And she says that the human body is like an amazing piece of technology that we have the capacity to be in until we choose to leave it, if we want to. Mm -hmm. And that involves some physical practices, as in like how you manage your body and how you eat. But more than anything, it involves how you think about yourself. So she doesn't Mm. think about herself in linear time, right? We're not just like getting older. She's like nothing in nature is linear. It's all cyclical. 
So why mm-hmm. would you have a linear structure attached to your age? So instead of your age, it's what stage are you at? Totally. So there's nine stages and each stage has a particular point of development. So for instance, one is when you're beginning things, obviously. Yeah. Two is when you are starting to develop some independence, right? The terrible twos, Mm. like their favorite word is no. Mm -hmm. No, I'm separate. I can make my own decisions. Mm -hmm. So each stage has a certain thing you're working on, right? So 36 is what? The fourth ninth stage are the ninth stage of the fourth like era so like Mm -hmm. in this stage we are looking at everything we have lived before Mm -hmm. and if we master the lessons then we can begin the next stage and start over at one and start something completely new based on what we've learned through our previous experiences so it's, it's not linear it's more like a spiral staircase so you're back here right where you started but at a higher level you're back home but you've evolved and you were there 18 years right yeah uh 15 yeah 15 okay yeah so maybe mentally 18 (laughs) yeah so for both of us it feels like a time of potential like reflection and to say this is what we have created with our life and now we know ourselves and we know a lot about the external world and that it's not so much about the external world it's about what's going on inside totally and now what do i want to create totally i really love this line and unfortunately it's used by condé nast traveler but still there's nothing wrong with that i just it's a magazine publication but <laughs> At home in the world Mm. has always been something that I strive for with that. And like that, it's almost similar to what you were just saying about this immortalist, which is so yogic, by the way. Mm -hmm. There's all these yogic texts about how to beat death and that. And if you're going to question the who am I or who is the breather or what is the ego, or is there free will, or who is this voice in my head, or who's bossing me around, or who's hurt, or who's happy, then, I mean, our connection to our identity, our relationship to an identity, the thought that we even need an identity, is totally one of the biggest questions in yoga. Mm. And I think there there must be some kind of revelation that you have eventually of that if you're the emptiness of self or the fullness of self i mean there's many traditions (laughs) you know and many different ideas but in the end that's how you can overcome the death of me because who is the me then into this meditation recently that i don't know where i came from but it just comes from everything and it i just sat down one day and it was like just delete the me from the whole scenario. But in that, then there is something also where there is this at home in the world, you know, because your identity isn't attached to outer circumstance. Mm. 
And that one thing I like to ask people a lot in teacher training programs for yoga teachers is what does it look like really to be in the state of yoga or to be like an enlightened being or to reach samadhi or whatever word you want to use? What does that actually look like on a practical level? Could you really describe it? And one of the things I've come up with is you never have the mental schism ever in your mind of what do I wear? (laughs) (laughs) That is completely disappeared. That thought would just, and it's not because you're like a blob of floating through the universe. You just don't have a schism there. Well, (laughs) I hear you, but Osho's Osho's clothing game was pretty strong. He had a lot of Rolls Royces. Yeah, but who knows if he had a schism about it or not. I know. I'm just making a joke. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, and like we do all these things to try to reduce the schisms. Yeah. Like move from New York to California. (laughs) Hmm. You feel like you're where you're supposed to be now? <sighs> yeah, I do. And it does feel like the start of a new chapter that is c- completely dependent on all the experience before and letting go of all the experience from before. Mm. Oh, yeah. Learning how to let go has always been That's been a a thing in my life, being able to let go fully. And so I feel like maybe I'm going to, if you would like to, I feel like I'd like to conclude by saying something I would like to call in for this next stage. Mm. And if you feel called to share something, then we can do that. But I would say that I'm calling in trust in the unfolding of my life and ease enjoy because i'm here and my life is really beautiful and i've been provided for thus far so i will choose to continue to believe that things only get better and it's safe to open my heart and be present yeah right on to that on to that If I have anything to add to that, it would simply be to also stay close to that intention, like to not forget it so easily. Good thing we have it recorded. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah. (laughs) All right. If you would like to maybe come to one of Heather's yoga classes or yoga retreats, I'll let her share how you can connect. Yeah, uh, it's yoga for bad people. That's right, yoga for bad people. <laughs> dot com, and it's for everyone. <laughs> Many definitions of bad. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Really, honestly, on everything today and sharing your insights and intuitive insights, especially. Yeah. Thank you for accepting the invitation and just sharing your presence. Thanks for finding me on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram, it's it's the thing now. It's, it's it, I feel like it's just, you know, we're just putting out a frequency. Mm. So even though logically, maybe I, I don't even really remember how we connected, it's just that the frequencies were aligned mm-hmm. 
and then we connected. It's like the yeah, but it's like the it's like the yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what should I I'm just gonna turn to a page. Yeah, page three hundred and seventy two. <laughs> All right. This is how Heather and I think you should be a legend. Mm-hmm. By being open, mm-hmm. by exploration, and just like moving forward wherever the journey takes you. Yeah. Trust it. Trust it. All right, fam. Thanks for being here. Peace. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Awakening Genius and that you feel closer to embodying your full creative expression. If you like what we're doing here, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Connect with us on social media at Awakening Genius. And if you want to go deeper into anything we talked about on this episode, you can go to awakeninggenius.club. This is Dijon. Much love. Peace.